Okay, it's hot in here. It's hot in here. <laughs> so that means it's uh, the 11th of July, 2011. And this is the Swimming Anthem Podcast. I'm Matt O'Neill. And I'm Erin Hodson. How you doing, Erin? Good. Great. Uh, what do we have to talk about today uh, in the world of soybean aphids? Should we talk about uh, soybean aphids? And I think so. Okay, let's do that. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the name of the podcast. So, um, uh, you have you done your um, uh, conference calls? Yeah, for this I had week? my teleconference this morning, just the statewide one, not the regional one. And a few more people are finding soybean aphids um, starting last week. Most of the fields are. And either beginning bloom, full bloom, some even maybe have some uh, approaching R3 or beginning of pod, pod set. So, so uh, soybean development is going along kind of as mm-hmm. usual. How about development of soybean aphid populations in those fields? Um, the numbers are still low, and the number of plants infested is just kind of slowly climbing up, um, as we'd expect. We've had some really hot days here, and so that will definitely slow things down for soybean aphid. Okay. Um, I got reports uh, through the email um, from Bruce Potter and Ian McKay that they're, uh, I'm sorry, Ian McCray, right? Uh, That there are fields in the southern part of Minnesota, Uh, Fergus Falls? Yes, I'd say more central between Alexandria and Fergus Falls. Okay, so uh, these are fields that uh, he reported being um, at threshold mm-hmm. and uh, kind of a, tradi- a place where traditionally this has occurred in Minnesota. So not too surprised, uh, kind of a year-in, year-out deal. Um, but it is kind of surprising given that the last couple of years we haven't had outbreaks in Iowa, um, or at least if we have, they've been really, really late in August, September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there is a population of aphids that under the right conditions could be flying into the state yeah, the, because they're really crowded conditions up there. Aphids don't like it if it's too crowded, and it kind of forces them to move, and they're able to move long distances between states. What are you hearing within the state of Iowa? Are you hearing reports of... I mean, nothing nothing at a treatable level right now, but just that people are out there, they're finding them, um, just maybe a little bit surprised just because the last couple of summers have been pretty quiet for most people. Yeah. Yeah, so conditions may be favorable for some uh, spotty outbreaks around the state. And we've got a mm-hmm. lot of summer left, and there are aphids there. We're likely to get a, a flush of migrants in the next couple of weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. So um, we could see some outbreaks um, come late July, maybe early first week of August, a little earlier than yeah. previous years. Yeah, so. I mean, it's pretty patchy right now, and that's why... It pays to, to scout every field just to kind of see where those fields are at, if they have any type of pressure at all right now. Should we talk a little bit about what happens next? Sure. Yeah. Do you have some other uh, notes for discussion? Oh, I just I had heard from um, a few different industry newsletters that they're recommending treating for soybean aphid at a lower threshold because the market predicted market value is so high, and if they can use generic products, then their control costs are low. So... Why not treat earlier than our recommended threshold of 250 per plant? So this is a little bit of, uh, mixed, a little disconcerting to, to have this um, lower threshold, especially this time of year, because you could see where somebody would treat now, um, and maybe they get two weeks of residual control, uh, but they will likely not have residual control uh, 
come first week of August. So if we have uh, a flush of migrants into the state, those fields would be at risk for yet another um, outbreak or, or possibly a need to spray. And the products that are going to be sprayed are going to kill the beneficial insects, the lady beetles, lacewings, uh, predatory bugs that are in the soybean field. So it may make a bad situation worse. Yeah, some of the thresholds I've been hearing about are as low as five or 50 per plant. Yeah. So it's extremely low and a pretty good chance you will have to treat again yeah. uh, later in the season. And so we've been doing some research where we've caged plants and infested them with aphids and allowed them to reach our 250 aphids per plant, the threshold that we recommend, and then we spray them. And what we found is that the plant uh, doesn't lose any yield as it reaches those populations. Now this is in a caged environment where we, uh, it's out in the field, but it's caged so we can control the population of aphids. And we compare the 250 per plant populations to those that were kept aphid free, we don't see a difference in yield. So uh, we're pretty confident that this 250 threshold works. Now there may be times when populations go from 250 to 600, 675, which is when we would expect to see yield loss occur. That can happen very quickly. So it really is important to scout then. Um, and I could see where somebody would say, well, I can avoid this problem of timing if I just spray now, but you're not uh, solving the problem. You may still have an outbreak. In fact, you may now make it even easier for an outbreak to occur later in the summer. Yeah. So, um, Understand the temptation, but it's uh, it's not the solution. I don't think it's the solution to managing this pest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even if you have a generic product and your control and your control costs are very low, it's still so many dollars per acre times every acre that you treat, and it certainly adds up. Even if it's five seven dollars per yeah. treatment. Um, and the generic products, how do you uh, do? You have any sense of how well they work compared to? I think uh, everything that I've looked at, it's very good knockdown uh, if you're making contact with the aphids. And so the, if the coverage is good, you can expect good control from either generic or a full label product. Okay. And are there differences in using a generic versus a, um, a labeled compound? I've heard some talk that some of the generics don't come with uh, a, like a guarantee from the company that... Uh, if some products, like if you buy straight from a, a Syngenta or a, a, a Bayer or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know they stand by that product, and they, there are some uh, recourse that can be made if the product didn't work. That's true, and but I think not some, so with some of the generics. Yeah, and I guess some of the, the the fully labeled products come with oils and adjuvants, and the generics might not. So. Yeah. There is maybe a situation where you're getting a difference in coverage, and that part we haven't looked at. Yeah, we well, not for all the different insecticides that are out there. I know when we've done some work with some of the more um, experimental products, the um, adjuvants and stickers, the, the extra stuff that don't kill the insect but help the uh, active ingredient, the insecticide, stay on the plant, uh, those can make a difference. And I think... From my experience, most of the labeled products, they're all optimized. Mm-hmm. And, and to date, they've been working well. But, right. um, anything else to talk about? Uh, anything upcoming um, this week? It, this week is really busy for the both of us. We have some field days going on at the field laboratory near Boone, Iowa. So we're going to be 
hearing and seeing what, what people are experiencing from around the state, and that will give us a good update of a reality check for our next podcast. Yeah, maybe we should do one on Thursday just yeah. after um, going to the field days. Yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, so at the field days, we'll be talking about soybean aphids, and you'll be talking about corn insect pests. Yes, corn pests. Um, and uh, we'll be take, I'll be taking questions. I'll do a little uh, session on other insect pests of soybean, some other invasive species that have uh, invaded Iowa, the Japanese beetle and uh, the brown marmorated stink bug. And I got an email um, and a phone call from a grower. So he was out in his field, and he saw a lot of Japanese beetles. And he was asking me if he should spray or not. Um, they ended up, they sprayed herbicide, but they didn't spray insecticide, and he was wondering if he should go back. And Was that in soybean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was in Page County. Uh, it was, uh, um, I forget the co-op name. Um, yeah. Adam was the guy who made the phone call. And Adam was telling me that, you know, he was really surprised to see a lot of Japanese beetles, and he said a lot of feeding damage. And then we started talking, and I said, you know, the thresholds that are recommended for treating Japanese beetle feeding are based not so much on the beetle being on the plant, but how much feeding is uh, causing. And after bloom, which is about where we're at right now, it's about 20% is the cutoff for when you should uh, treat. And he said, yeah, that there were spots in the field that you know looked like they were mm-hmm maybe 20%, but not the entire field. And, and, and really, even he wasn't even sure in the spots if it was that high. Um, to kind of bottom, you know, like bottom uh, line here is that, uh, well, one, it's hard to diagnose over the phone, and two, um, although you, we will be surprised by how many Japanese beetles are on the field, I think we're even more surprised by how durable the plant is to it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's not to say that there won't be fields that may need treatment, but... Um, may want to take a real close look to see just how bad. And there may be a case where you need to treat and you want to think about, well, getting two for one and checking labels to see if you can uh, pick a product that works both for aphids and Japanese beetles. And to be honest, I'm not sure what's labeled right now for Japanese beetles. But I, mean, I think almost mo- everything. Almost everything. Well, there's quite a few products, whether they're pyrethroids, organophosphates, um, that are labeled for Japanese beetle. Um, so, but I agree with you. A field-wide defoliation from Japanese beetle at the 20%, I don't think has been seen too much in Iowa, although there are certainly hot spots because they do like to aggregate near each other where a plant or two may be up to that level. But I, I from my experience, people tend to overestimate percent defoliation. Yeah. So. Um, the other thing that will kind of make this really apparent is if you buy a Japanese beetle trap and put it out and... Uh, we've had some fun around campus putting these out, and within a day, some of them fill up almost, uh, mm-hmm. with the adults. Um, so that's one of the things I'll be talking about at Feel uh, this week is uh, how to use those traps, what do they mean. And there's also a trap now that's out for the stink bug, and the brown marmorated stink bug is a pest of soybeans in the East Coast. It's been moving uh, westward, and this trap is proposed to... Um, to, as a monitoring tool um, to detect it. I was noticing the one out at field that there isn't anything inside of it. It only catches spiders. Yeah. <laughs> and I, not to be critical, but they give you a little packet of uh, uh, like a, a perfume, like a, it's a pheromone. I think it's a pheromone yeah. uh, that is a lure. Oh, you got one right there. So um, I'm not sure. So you have it placed inside the trap? And I don't 
I don't think that I, I've, I've seen the trap. They don't give you a lot of instruction for yeah. this. Yeah. But I think it needs to be yeah. outside so that the the scent can kind of permeate yeah. and spread. I'm doing the next one on the outside. I haven't heard of anybody uh, capturing brown marmorated stink bug in the north central region this year so yeah. far. So. So I mean, I think we're uh, we're likely to see it at some point. Whether we'll see it in the next year or so is. Yeah. Well, that's why we do the research. But um, with these traps, the uh, the attractants can work really, really well, and sometimes they, they may not, depending upon how you deploy it. And then even if you do deploy it the correct way, it may not work because the insect isn't there. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, uh, and that's about all I got for this week. Yeah. Gosh, it's hot. Mm-hmm. It's humid in here. <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> yeah, if, if we got better microphones, maybe we could... Run the air conditioning while we're recording. <laughs> okay, this is our longest yet, so should we cut it off there? I think so. Yep. All right. <laughs> Talk to you next week. <laughs> All right, no, at the end of this week. We'll do it again at the yeah. end of this week. We'll wrap up. Sounds good. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye.